All right, welcome to Should Have Backed It. We're really at the pointy end of the Queensland Carnival now with the big Group 1 Grand Finals next weekend. To talk us through the Queensland Oaks and look ahead to the main weekend up at Eagle Farm, our guests, Big V, Chris Venuccio of uh, News Corp fame. Big V, how are you? Hello, John. Going well, and uh, it's been a, a good weekend of racing, and now we're heading into Queensland's biggest weekend with the Stradbroke Handicap. And our punting expert, Philip Georgios. G'day, Phil. How are you going? I'm well, John. Good evening, Big V. Yeah, and i am uh, been a little bit jealous looking up at Queensland. Everyone's in their short shirts and uh, shorts, and uh, yeah, we're doing it a little bit tougher down here in Melbourne. They've got a few things going on with their racing scene up there, and it, you must, it must be much easier to attract punters to the course. I know they've got feature racing as well, but when they've got sunshine at this time of year, it's got to be a much better job than it is down here in Melbourne where we are. We'll go with uh, Should Have Backed It's and Should Have Sacked It's uh, to kick off. Uh, might start with you this week, Phil. Thank you, Corbs. Uh, look, mine are both at Eagle Farm this week, which shouldn't be a surprise, but my Should Have Backed It was all the way in the last race, and it was red card, which was, as I said, the last race at Eagle Farm. Um, it was dominant in its previous win at Scone, and it really did back it up big time. Impressive win, that one, and one I want to follow moving forward. I think you got a pretty good price in the end at $3.40, so, yeah, that was definitely my should have backed it for that particular program. My sacked it was a horse I mentioned last week, and it's sort of gone into my Espiona category, and that's Frumos. So the Magic Millions Classic didn't give a didn't give a yelp. Frumos couldn't get going. I think it finished sort of third or fourth last, and it tends to be overbet. Although it did drift on this occasion out to eleven dollars, and at the end of the day, Foxy Frieda looked the obvious winner and uh, deservedly got the job done. Well, for my should have backed it, I'm going to Flemington, and it is party for one. I thought she'd go back from the wide draw, but Blake Sheen went forward, went forward, found the perfect spot, and when when he was at when Sheen was able to find that position in running, she just had the edge on that field from there. And I should have sacked it. Controversial choice. I'm going to go with Quantico in the Morton Cup at Eagle Farm. I just got sucked in after his luckless first up run. He's got the talent, but he's just not putting two good runs together and I thought he was entitled to perform a bit better in that race and you know I think with some of these horses um you know if they if they got that bit of inconsistency about them you just got to be be a bit wary about them on that note let's uh let's have a quick look back at last weekend so the uh highlight race of the entire racing nation was at eagle farm the queensland oaks the phillies classic this one went the way of amakura uh, which I must admit, not a horse I'd heard of going into the weekend. But uh, Damien Oliver on board for his 128th Group 1. And you've got to think he's in the absolute twilight of his career. So uh, that might be one of the last, one, last ones he adds. Uh, just a quick comment on the undercard as well. We had Prince of Boom, Foxy Frieda and Munamek on the Eagle Farm undercard. I'll start with you, Chris. What did you think of the Oaks well, first of all, yeah, I'm not too sure about how strong this race is. As you mentioned with Amakura, you said that you hadn't heard of the horse. You know, two two starts back, she won a Newcastle Maiden, and then a, then won a Sunshine Coast Class One before you know winning the Oaks here. And you got the second horse, Rio, paying $101, but a, a great ride by Damien Oliver. You know, got back from Barrier One, but saved ground on the inside and waited for those gaps to open up. 
with the the two favourites, Afera Sweeve and Renaissance Woman. You know, first of all, with Afera Sweeve, I don't think it helped her when you had a hundred and fifty one dollar shot unable to be loaded in the barrier next to her, and and once that horse Teresa was loaded in, you know, she got stirred up, and that affected Afera Sweeve, and she's missed the start, and and uh, I think that was the end of her race, and she was three wide the trip. It didn't help. And Renaissance Woman from Barrier Six, I thought they might have settled midfield and you know get the get that perfect run, but I just thought she got too far back, and you know those two favourites just gave themselves too much to do. But excuses with the Ferris sweep though. Phil, a comment from you on the Oaks and anything else up at Eagle Farm? Those other winners that might have grabbed your attention. Yeah, I didn't have a massive amount to add from what Big V just said. They're the horses I was going to focus on as well. Obviously, the winner um, showed the value of Barrier 1 and a high-quality jockey by just sitting there on the fence and saving all the ground and then getting the job done at the right time with the with the right um, hoop on top. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with how far back Ferris Soir and and Renaissance woman got, and particularly, you know, sitting three wide, third last, it's it's not a great place to be if you're the favourite of a of a big race like this. And yeah, Renaissance woman as well. I thought they both actually ran on really well to finish in fourth and fifth, but they just got way too far back in such a big field. And on a day where we weren't seeing too many horses run on. Um, speaking of horses that didn't run on, Prince of Boom just sat up and dominated that race. Um, probably thought it was had gone a little bit hard to begin with. It was sort of throwing its head around, and the jockey had to sort of make sure that it didn't uh, didn't go you know didn't go too crazy. But stole a couple of lengths on the turn and absolutely put them away. And uh, Big V should have sacked it, and I probably could have had it as my should have sacked it as well. Quantico and others in behind had no chance. So, yeah, that was a really impressive performance, as was Froxy Frieda, as you said off the top there. Yeah, and Munamek as well, who, who put in, a, you know, Frank some form down south in um, in, the, in one of the earlier races. Just um, on Prince of Boom, Phil, um, I read that only um, the second horse, far too easy, ran a faster last 200 than Prince of Boom. So I just think that just shows that the rest of the opposition weren't good enough. He was just able to to really hurt that opposition by setting that fast tempo. But you think, you know, a leader, you know, going that quickly, you know, the opposition should be, you know, running faster, closing splits home, and they weren't even able to do it. It was, it was only the runner-up. All right, just a comment, uh, Chris, on the other sort of national highlights from the weekend. So we saw a star two-year-old, uh, win its first Saturday start, uh, Stapati, owned with some interesting uh, commentary uh, commentators, racing comment broadcasters in the ownership. Uh, that was a pretty impressive win. And then on the Sunday, on debut, we saw Winx's uh, half-sister, City of Lights, win uh, well at Geelong. Any any thoughts on those two? Yeah, first of all, with Stapati, I mean, that, that was probably the best two-year-old performance in Victoria we've seen since the the Autumn Carnival when we had the uh, the Blue Diamond races and that was a big elevation off the debut win so an exciting prospect for the spring hopefully there's uh no overseas interest in the horse and that it stays here because we like to see these good horses stay here because they can be horses that we can follow and try and make some money of um, later on down the track and just with city of lights i thought it was a, a nice debut win but it beat a, a moderate field that had been struggling to win their maiden. So not getting too carried away yet with City of Lights, but she was only having her first start where a lot of the opposition were having, you know, they had a few runs under their belt. So she does have that upside and can, you know, start going through the grades.
Yeah, I really liked your point around Stepati there, Big V, and obviously it's only its second start, and you know it's a late two-year-old getting started in, in, for that age, and I love to see when they run down the Flemington straight and just look like they handle it without any issues. You can obviously often see horses that are a bit young or a bit green sort of run across the track but it was able to keep a nice straight line and looked like a really professional and um good prospect moving forward so very keen to see where it goes and what it performs in this spring all right to the news headlines of the week we will stay up with the queensland oaks meeting there was a little bit of drama pre uh pre-race when Fireburn, the Golden Slipper winner from last year and the race favourite, the one that won the main Phillies lead-in, the Roses, the Doombin Roses, was scratched by stewards on Thursday uh, for being lame. Now, this, this wasn't a decision that appeared to have the support of the trainer, Gary Portelli, and given the way the race played out, you have to wonder whether Fireburn's presence might have uh, produced a different result. Chris, uh, I know this caught your attention on the day. We've had a week to think about it. Unfortunately, it happened just hours after we put last week's episode out. But what did you uh, what did you make of the drama surrounding Fireburn last week? Yeah, well, the question is, why did they scratch the horse two days out before the race? Why didn't they give it until at least race morning? You know, just to see if the, the horse makes some improvement. So I just thought that was a strange decision, um, first of all. And the irony is as well that Fireburn won the start before in a group two, but vets don't expect inspect horses in non-group one races so if it's any other race you know they these horses are, are running but it's only the group ones where we have these inspections and i just think that you know, you've got to trust the trainers that they're bringing their horses in the best condition possible yeah it's a tough one obviously uh the stewards are very keen to ensure that you know the safety of participants we've seen what's happened with jockeys but also with horses over a number of years to make sure that we've got a safe field and those big marquee races are run in a safe manner. But yeah, you'd, you'd think they might build a profile on the horse. I mean, a little bit like the, the passport they build around doping in, in humans, but it'd be good to understand if they'd seen the horse before, if they've seen anything different or whether this was the first time they'd laid eyes on the horse and that's just how the horse walked. So I guess in that circumstance, you have to take the trainer's perspective at face value but yeah it's a, it's a pretty harsh punishment you know, going into a group one favorite and getting uh getting the boot a couple of days before for something you, you didn't think was was there must be a tough one to swallow and look given how the race played out and the queensland oaks is not necessarily i mean it's a group one but in status but it's probably not one of the glamour group ones and this was going to have the golden slipper winner from the the prior year as the favourite, I feel like it did rob the race of a bit of its uh, star power, and then we've seen the way it played out. So, uh, look, it was it was an interesting story. I definitely would have loved to see what Fireburn could do over a longer distance as well. The other story that's dropped uh, a bit more recently, uh, we don't tend to focus too much on overseas racing, but this one is a bit interesting. So, overnight, we've seen that the Singapore Turf Club in Cranji, uh, or the, the race course known as Cranji, uh, have, have said that October 2024 will be the end of ra- horse racing in Singapore. Worth calling out that Singapore is a one horse, sorry, one race course uh, jurisdiction. So there is no other, you, you change that course, Cranji, and that, that's that's it. Uh, now, I'd just like to get your immediate reactions. I know you've been to Cranji, Phil. Um, yeah, I think you uh, we were chatting off air and you mentioned that it's probably a, 
possibly a land grab. And I think that is actually what's going on. But there's a lot of conspiracy theories around about animal welfare and, and other factors as well. What's your reaction to it first? Yeah, I guess anytime you see a, a race course anywhere globally uh, get shut down, and particularly when it's the only race course in a city like Singapore, it's uh, y- your first reaction is to be a little bit disappointed. I think they've been racing in Singapore at that course for 180 years. So it's certainly not just a, a recent addition. But um, yeah, look, I, I'm willing to take it on face value that, that they are just looking for that land. It's a very small country, as we know, and I think they are building land you know, into the water and everything just to make sure that they've got the right sort of uh, po- um, spaces for their population. So it's a disappointing result for racing fans. I did get out there, as you say, when I was in Singapore. It's a lovely course out there. Um, I think I was there on a pretty uh, mild day, so there wasn't too much action uh, taking place. But, yeah, I guess it's just a, a little bit disappointing. And I, I, don't, I don't think we can see this as being necessarily a trend moving forward. I don't think we need to have to worry about that quite yet. But, you know, when you do have inner city tracks, even in Melbourne and in other places, I guess some questions might get asked moving forward. Chris, um, Singapore, probably a light of uh, better days in the past, but it has, you know, we did see Takeover Target win one of its big races once upon a time and other Australian horses going back 10, 15 years did used to go and race in the features. What's your take on it all? Yeah, I'm surprised by the the reaction here to the the closure. There's been a lot of interest in the story, and I suppose it is because of the that Australian involvement in some of these big races. and And Singapore did reach a, a peak around that 2000 period when we had Rocket Man as well. But I think the key reasons for the closure is the 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 decline in crowds and wagering. And plus that need for, you know, for more space for housing. But it's easy to cut an industry when, when it does lose that, that relevance uh, with its, um, you know, when it does lose that relevance. And I think um, it's not so much a warning for Australian racing, but maybe a little wake-up call that, you know, racing can only remain strong if it's got that government support. You know, and we're seeing that in South Australia. They don't have that strong government support like the, the other jurisdictions have. And you can just see you know, where South Australian racing is going at the moment. So I just think it's a message to racing here that, you know, they need to work together. And that includes Racing Victoria and Racing New South Wales, you know, if the sport wants to stay relevant. The uh, go, go look ahead to Queensland's biggest weekend of the year. We've got the Group 1 Stradbroke Handicap and the Group 1 JJ Atkins for the two-year-olds over a mile. We've also got uh, now th- those two races are full field and uh, barriers and everything as of a, a couple of hours ago, which is good. Uh, the rest of Queensland's fields at the time of going to press will be established tomorrow, so we'll confirm tomorrow, but that does include the Brisbane Cup, which I see is now back at 3,200 metres. And the Q22, which is the recently added feature race up there for uh, staying horses, but not quite 3,200. I think it's 2,200 metres for that race, but a big lick of prize money, $1.2 million. Chris, we might go to you first. Um, I'm assuming you've uh, had a chance to see the two Group 1 fields. If you've got a prediction there for either of the two Group 1s, just to get you started, I'll tell you that I was uh, lucky enough to jump on Miracle of Love in the J.J. Atkins just before it jumped and won its maiden last week. Uh, so I got a very good price, and then it was immediately shortened, the son of Dundeal out of Miss Finland. So I'm pretty excited about that. I've got a big futures bet going there. Not a big one, let's be honest. But uh, that's my tip. But I'd love to hear what you see from those two races, and then we'll shoot over to Phil to 
Well, his thoughts on the card. We'll be cheering at home for you. And uh, yeah, just before I I touch on the group ones, I just uh, don't see the the point in having final fields, you know, in the morning and then have a barrier draw at 5 p.m. when we're not going to even cover the draw on TV. So, bit of a, a strange one there. But with the with the Stradbroke, I, I still got to go through the the barrier draws and see what um, implications it has. But I think at the moment it looks all right for the favourite. Think about it, drawing barrier 12, but can go into barrier 8 when the emergencies come out. And at the moment, he's $3. I think we're going to get a better price because there's, it looks hard to beat, but there's a lot of chances, particularly from the three-year-olds. You know, Hawaii 5-0s put two big runs together. Ruthless Dame has been kept fresh after winning the Robert Sankster, and I think she looks the overs. And, you know, you've got Converge, you know, back to his best when running second to think about it last start. And I think Cardinal Gem, it wouldn't surprise me if he wins, if he gets the right tempo and position in running. So good field. You know, I've got to think about it on top, but I, I think we can get a better price than $3. And then in the JJ Atkins, geez, it's been an interesting market because we had Sofrado as the, the favourite after he won last start. Now, now that's paying $13. You know, make a call was also a favourite at some point. Snowden Stable said that you know that should have won last start with that controversial uh, protest. And you've got the favourite Tannhauser. Um, I just there was a big effort to win last start from a long way back, but um, you know I'm not uh, getting gung ho about him. And I think some of those last start winners as well, Congregation and what was the other one, Azura. They're backing up after winning last start. You know, I do think that they, they've they got a, a bit more to do to win this race because I think you know, their performances last week were a little bit soft on the clock. So I think your selection, uh, John, you know, is, yeah, could be a good chance. Gee, you've got to those uh, results a long way, Big V. I think you've just about listed every horse that's in both of those fields as a chance, but hopefully you can get the job done, mate. Um, uh, for the Stradbroke, yeah, I think $2.80, $3, think about it. I mean, it's a deserved favourite, dominant win last four or five times, but I, I'm not going to be taking those odds. So I'm looking a little bit wider, and I think, as I said in the podcast, after it ran in behind, think about it, Converge at $10 is a pretty good price early on in the week. And AF Cabin, $18, that seems like massive overs. So if that price holds uh, closer to jump, I would be having a little bit of a play there too. In the JJ, I'm happy to go with you, Corbs. Just follow you in on Miracle of Love since you've got that amazing price. Um, But in a couple of the other races, in the Q22, we've got without a fight. Now, again, it's not final fields yet, but if it does run after its performance previous start, I'm very keen to get involved there at around the $4 mark. And Opal Ridge, who was actually the second emergency in the strategy as well, uh, if it doesn't get a start there and is in the Dane Ripper, currently $3 favourite would be a good bet. Yeah, it will be a good long weekend. Okay, gentlemen, the uh, final furlong time. So we are coming up to Stradbroke weekend. It's definitely a race that's produced um, some big horses over the years. So I'm going to get each of you to tell me your favourite Stradbroke winner. I'll give you a couple of mine quickly to get those juices flowing. Uh, Dane Ripper won the race 1997, a few months before winning the Cox Plate. And then uh, the other one more recently, Sincero. I can remember going to a Boxing Day test match with Phil, actually, watching Australia get belted around by the English and sneaking out to watch a bit of 
Uh, the races, I think, at Randwick that day, and Sincero won on debut, and six months later it won the Stradbroke as a three-year-old, so that's mine. Uh, Phil, we might go to you first. Yeah, with these final furlongs, I usually go with my first instinct, uh, Corbet, which is was Tefane, actually, not too long ago, just two years ago now. But she was a really honest mare, and she ended up getting a, a number of Group 1s. And I just remember that race so well, because I was tipping her to anyone through the week, just letting them know that she'd go really well. And I think she ended up winning at about $12, $13, and it was a, a, you know, a great afternoon, a steak night, as we might say, when we get the job done. So Tefane is the one I remember the most. But there's been a lot of great winners of the Stratty. Definitely my favourite race up there in Brisbane. I have to remember to attend these production meetings because I did have Sincero down as well. But I, I do have a backup option. I, I thought uh, Black Piranha, we are winning you know, back-to-back Stradbroke handicaps. If you go... Over you know his career, it you know it looked like he wasn't going going to amount to much. You know not you know you know not we're not winning these you know lower class races, but then you know went to a couple of Group Ones and you know falling short in a few of them, and then comes out and you know wins back to back Stradbrokes. Excellent, gents. Looking forward to a big racing finale up in Queensland. Thank you for your time. Uh, before we uh, get Phil to sign us out, just to let the listeners know, we'd love to get your feedback. We are going to do a Royal Ascot preview show next week uh, before we sign off for the winter. Phil, how do we close out? Good luck on the punt and gramble responsibly.